two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think you're a second eight, ahead. Nine. Aww. Whatever. Um, okay. Let's go. All right. Don't click that damn icon. Yeah. I. My gosh. <laughs> Welcome to the Fantasy Football Brothers Podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm here with my younger brother, Carson, and we are on to week eight. Uh, say hello to the people. Hello, everybody. And as we always do at the beginning of these episodes, I I don't know. Did I extend my lead? Did I lose my lead a little bit? But I'm still ahead. Uh, you were you. I was one yard short <laughs> of being right on both of those games that we picked differently. Oh. Uh, the, the Jaguars were one yard short of winning that game. Uh, I picked that one, so obviously you got that one correct with the Giants. And then uh, my division rival Jets took down your Denver Donkeys. Yeah, here we go. So (laughs) this whole story, Blake overheard someone just in public refer to the Broncos as the Donkeys, and now here we are, the Denver Donkeys. I I like it. I like it. It's fitting. Yeah, well, I'm um, not going to... They're they're not worth defending anymore. Um, So I guess I'll take it. (laughs) Whatever. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into this. Um, I don't know. Have you been throwing up our uh, our records for pickums on the screen or not? Uh, I haven't, but I can just say it real quick. I'm 65 correct, uh, 43 incorrect, and Blake is 60 correct, 48 incorrect. So still both well above 500. So that's good. Yeah, that's something. That'll work. All right. So first thing I want to get out of the way. Obviously, week eight there are two teams on a buy, and they're two big name teams in terms of fantasy assets. For We've sure. got the Four and three LA Chargers and the five and two Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, maybe the Broncos um, can put up a top two performance out of that division this week. Hey, maybe. <laughs> um, so, do want to get this out of the way as well? Um, there's a report indicating that uh, the Chargers expect Mike Williams to miss a minimum of four weeks. Now, I'm assuming uh, that means including this bye week, yeah, not uh, four games. So. Yeah, just keep in mind you will probably be without him uh, for about a month, so that's yeah. a tough loss. I didn't realize that he su- suffered that severe of an injury last week, so that is a little bit surprising. It didn't look good. It didn't look good for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially now that Keenan is probably back and healthy, unless he re-aggravated himself and I'm unaware of it. Um, I think you were, I don't know, I didn't really know of anything that could have happened with that, but he's probably back for uh, week 10, so they'll have one of their wide receivers again. Uh, just only one of them, I mean. So that should be interesting. Do you think Eckler can continue booming like he has been? I know you just traded for him in our main league. Yeah, buddy. Uh, no, I hope so. But let's 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 move on to the players that are actually playing this week. All right. Um, oh, and the Chiefs. Thursday. Sorry, we didn't even say them. I think. no, I, you did it the very and beginning. And I already... My bad. Chiefs are out too. It's Plenty a, of good players. Okay. Thursday night football takeover. Okay, great. Um, So the Thursday night matchup is the Baltimore Ravens at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, You know, when we saw this matchup earlier in the season, when uh, the schedule was announced, this was an exciting one. And it's feeling like the air has kind of been taken out of this game a bit based on these teams' recent struggles. Um, I'm still expecting it to be a competitive game because I think even, you know, two teams that are struggling uh, can play up to the game, uh, play up to the moment, we'll say. Um, especially you know, in prime it, it's time. two yeah so either way 
Um, let's go ahead and start with the Ravens here. Lamar Jackson had another quiet day and his first game without a touchdown uh, where he finished healthy since his rookie season back in week 11 of 2018 versus the Bengals. I had to dig deep for that stat. Wow. Um, and you can talk about him a little bit because as uh, as I'm about to announce, I took you down in both of our leagues <laughs> last week. <laughs> yeah, you did. And I had Lamar <laughs> and, Jackson and on one, one of them. So... Yeah, I so mean, go ahead and talk about your guy. With Lamar, it's honestly simple. You're not benching him. You're just not. He's got too... Uh, he's too versatile and too unique to think that a particular defense is going to stop both of his abilities of being a good passer and a good rusher. So for that reason, I never feel like there's a matchup where I feel like he can't do anything. He has had a bad stretch the past four games. That's not great. But I'm still not even remotely considering benching him. Do you think that's fair? <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, I think, you know, the Lamar that you got in the first couple weeks where oh, yeah. he was looking like a man that wanted to get paid. Yeah. Um, it's been a far cry from that this past month. But I completely agree with you. I mean, he's so talented with his legs. And when he throws the ball more than 16 times, yeah. like he did against Cleveland, um, where he only completed nine of those 16 attempts... Uh, it's it's kind of a tough spot to succeed fantasy wise with Lamar. Yeah. Um, and with that 16 pass attempt number, that's roughly half his season average for pass attempts. So um, they were playing from ahead most of that game, if not all. I don't know. They may have been wire to wire with that one. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, but yeah, just not really in a position where they had to throw. And so Lamar, you know, did have some stats with his legs, obviously, but. Um, that passing volume just wasn't there and no touchdowns hurts, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, on, on the plus side, he is averaging 10 carries per game over the past month, uh, keeps his floor high, but, uh, again, you, you've already alluded to it. You're not concerned, um, with continuing to start Lamar Jackson. He is still ranked as the QB four overall. Yeah. And that, that is just a testament to how amazing he was in the first three games. And you you know his ceiling, so you just have to continue to trust him, um, barring any sort of... I mean, if he was playing through an injury, maybe you could kind of rationalize benching him, but that's not the case here. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to just keep on plugging him in and hope that he booms for you. Yeah, agreed. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to, you know, kind of a hot ticket on the waiver wire. That's Gus Edwards. 18.6 fantasy points in Week 7. Uh, 16 for 66 and two rushing touchdowns did not catch his only target Um, only played on 36 percent of the snaps so I think it's important to note that Kenyon Drake logged 11 carries in this game but he was horribly inefficient Uh, only managed five yards on the ground in this one so let me ask you with Gus Edwards this you know kind of uh, not so great snap percentage you think it goes up in the future moving forward based on his performance um, and otherwise, is this performance news or noise? I'd say it's sort of news. I mean, this is his first game back since the 2020 season. Is that correct? I, he's been out basically as long as J.K. Dobbins has been. Um, from, that doesn't sound right, but I'll check on that. Yeah, that doesn't sound right, but I don't think he played at all last season because they were playing like Latavius <laughs> oh, Murray and no, Le'Veon right. Bell. you're right. So yeah, he's back. 2021, he did not play. And that snap percentage was low but obviously he was really involved to still get 16 carries so when he was out there he was mm-hmm. getting fed the ball and Dobbins is expected to be out for a few more weeks is my understanding so I think that Edwards yeah, he's on IR so he's gonna miss yeah. multiple I, I think this is news then I think Edwards 
um, is a player that they trusted in previously but has been injured. And I think that in his first game back, doing a performance like this on a limited snap count, I expect it to go up. And, you know, we could reassess this more about what happens to him when Dobbins comes back. But I think you can feel mm-hmm. somewhat confident in him. It's just, again, it's the Ravens' backfield. So take that as a, right. as a relative evaluation for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's fair. Um, On to the pass catchers here. Mark Andrews had one rush for four yards and did not catch either of his targets in week seven. That is a big oof for that one. Yeah, that's Um, weird. I mean, and I think what it really goes to to show is that there are no guarantees uh, at the tight end position. So you're still starting Mark Andrews as long as he's healthy. um, And... that's kind of where that's kind of where it is with that position. Yeah. Uh, On to Rashad Bateman, he caught four of five targets for forty-two yards. Only played fifty-six percent of the snaps and has not exceeded sixty-six percent all season. Um, kind of a weird, you know, kind of nugget of information for him. But uh, is Bateman still a flex in your eyes with three of his five games played resulting in eight point two fantasy points or fewer? I. It's difficult, again, as we all, as I always say in response to those questions. <laughs> I know after the first two weeks where he had uh, deep touchdown receptions, I was saying that maybe pump the brakes, brakes on your evaluation of Bateman, and that's someone who has Bateman on my main team. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I expect Lamar's uh, passing attempts to go up or double because that would meet his average. And I think with that being the yeah. case... Four or five targets, 42 yards on those numbers from Lamar makes me feel like he's still really involved in this passing offense. They just need to be throwing the ball more. And they have been more than uh, Lamar did last week. So I still think he can make your lineup. And I have noticed that snap count, it's weird, especially with him kind of being the undisputed wide receiver one. Again, Mark Andrews kind of is that number one pass catcher, so that's a little misleading. Yeah. But that's kind of is a misleading. He's most definitely the number one yeah. based on target share and everything else. I just yeah. mean calling him wide receiver one is misleading. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, you like to see that stat line relative to what Lamar did passing the ball. So I think that has to make you feel confident enough. But, again, it, mm. it, he can be kind of more of a boom-bust play like um, the other pass catcher you're wanting to talk about in this offense. Yeah, and that's Devin Duvernay. Uh Definitely a boom-bust flex play at best in my eyes. Um, Although for him, the type of player he is, I would avoid starting him if I could. Um, He's really not someone that unless, you know, you're in a deeper league, you're really considering, hopefully. um, With only two teams on a bye, you'd have to be kind of desperate at that position to to plug him in, I think. Yeah, if you're making this decision of Bateman, I think that Dufresne is kind of self-explanatory for not being anywhere near as safe as making your lineup or just being a good decision because I would mm-hmm. never bet on DuVernay consistently outperforming Bateman statistically. He is just kind of, right. he's a, he is a boom-bust uh, play for sure. Yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and talk about now the home underdogs by one point, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I've got a short rant here, but I, it's going to involve you, so don't worry. Uh, don't tune out. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And, and, so am I wrong, or is... The struggles of Tampa Bay, not. I think I think Tom Brady's getting an unfair amount of the blame, and I know he's the quarterback, and I know that he's the goat, and people hold him to a very high expectation. But uh, let me just give you some stats on him. He's third in the NFL in completions, sixth in the NFL in passing yards, uh, eighth in completion percentage. The glaring issue is that he is sixteenth <laughs> in touchdowns, in passing touchdowns specifically. So. 
there's your issue. I know people are like, oh, why aren't they putting up points? Well, uh, when Mike Evans drops uh, an open pass that he's not even covered by 20 yards, yeah, that that's bad. part of the problem. That was bad. Um, there's a lot of momentum, and I know that you know momentum is kind of a a woo-woo type of thing, but it is a real thing in sports. Like, whenever something goes wrong early in a game, it can kind of set the tone, and I think that that drop um, that would have been a, a huge touchdown early in the game, I think that messed up the momentum in this game. And here, here's the other thing. Tom Brady's stat line minus, the, or, or we'll say, despite the lack of touchdowns, looks good. 32 completions, 49 pass attempts, 290 passing yards. Uh, he was fifth in completions, eighth in passing yards for week seven. So uh, still inside the top 10 by all numbers outside of that touchdown stat. Um, uh, one critique that I can give out, five of his 49 pass attempts were intended for running backs. That's far too few. Uh, Fournette receiving three of those targets, Rashad White receiving two of them. That's weird um, considering Fournette's receiving usage what was it two weeks ago against the chiefs i want to say it was where he had like 10 receptions or something crazy like that so that's weird to see that big of a shift um i'm looking up what you're talking i don't know about. when it was but there was a week where he like out oh he, was the, he led the team in receptions fournette did yeah that was i think that was the falcons where he had 10 catches okay. on 11 targets right. yes yeah that one yeah um so yeah exactly the three targets uh just you know that's that's unacceptable that can't happen that can't happen it just you know it's not it's not how they win games so anyway uh baltimore is allowing 23 uh points per game on average and on a short week would you bench the goat that's the question and the real the real difficult thing is uh who do you replace him with from the waivers go go ahead and read off these names Carson. yeah so you made this list, but I added the roster percentages. So Daniel Jones at the Seahawks rostered, and these are all sleeper roster percentages, by the way. Daniel mm-hmm. Jones at Seahawks rostered 59%. Jared Goff versus Miami, 50%. Jimmy G at the Rams, 50%. Justin Fields at Dallas, 40%. And Marcus Mariota versus the Panthers rostered 36%. Um, I feel like you're being too bold to bench Brady honestly yeah and here's and i would say this too i think uh, i am fortunate enough to have joe burrow on the same roster as i have tom brady (laughs) and so for that that's an easy uh decision for me but um yeah if you're trying to pick up an option off the waivers good luck because uh, none of those guys have the ceiling of tom brady um and it's just uh, you know, you're kind of in a tough spot. If you don't have an obvious replacement for Brady on your roster already, you're likely not picking one up and, and starting him this week. Yeah, and I mean, at the beginning of the season, teams were slinging it against the Ravens, and I assume that's still the case, or maybe that was due to injuries. I could be wrong there, but um, we've seen. Yeah, this well, defense. I think I think all those, I think all, if not most of those injuries, are still uh, factoring in. Yeah. So, so we've seen this defense um, give up the right track. a lot of fast completions. It's just it is those touchdowns. So that that's strange because everything else looks good just looking at his stats um he's mm-hmm. throwing the ball a lot i mean he's got looking at it right here five games over 40 passing attempts out of the seven like that's what you like to see with the volume of your quarterback so it's weird that he's had so few touchdowns so i think you've made a good point and made a good case to not hit the complete panic button on him but it is it's right. been weird 
yeah, there's there's no arguing that. And, and I will say this also. I mean, based on volume, you're still starting Mike Evans, who got 15 targets. You're still starting Chris Godwin, 13 targets in, in Week 7. Uh, and Fournette, who ranks ninth in rush attempts and third in targets in the NFL the, among running backs. So those are all... Those are all must-starts, as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then Kate Otten, uh, I think he's an interesting tight end bye week fill-in, since Cameron Brait will be inactive once again this week. Um, Russell Gage will be inactive as well, so uh, maybe maybe a bit of a boost for Kate Otten in that uh, scenario. Um, and Kate Otten is averaging 10 points per game when he plays uh, 80% or more of the snaps. Interesting. We got to pick a team, and I kind of forgot that I'd do that. So uh, I see you're <laughs> hovering over the Buccaneers. Yeah, I am gonna go with them. I think that they, I think they do get right in this game, um, and I think based on you not moving your cursor, you're picking the Ravens for this I, one. So this will be an interesting yeah, one to watch. This, I mean, this is gonna be a close one. Two teams that are kind of struggling, as you've propped it up, and you know Brady at home, yeah. prime time. It's hard to go against them, but. Maybe I'm gonna go with my for my fantasy QB and back Lamar in this one. That's that's why I want him to do well. So we'll go with that. Should be that's a good fair. game uh, tonight if you're watching this the day that this video comes out. So move on to the yeah. the London game. Yeah. So we've got the uh, Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars in this one. Uh, the Broncos are now two and five, and this team is fast approaching fantasy wasteland status outside of a few positions. Uh, I got a few a few good notes and a much longer bad notes section. So uh, I want to talk about Greg Dulcich. Uh, caught six of nine targets for 51 yards. Got you 11.1 fantasy points. That's what you like to see from your tight ends. Um, if you can if you can eclipse 10 points and not score a touchdown, yeah. um, then when those touchdowns do come, that's that's gravy. Yeah. So that's a good deal there. Um, on the other hand, Jared Judy who has struggled at times four of his seven games, resulting in fewer than eight and a half fantasy points. Last week, he got you a good one if you were bold enough to start him. Yeah, uh, without seven Wilson. Catches... Sorry, just wanted right? to interject so... that. No, that's okay. Seven catches on 11 targets for 96 yards. Got you 16.6 fantasy points. Um, so I'll ask you, uh, it's kind of up in the air, but I think it's trending in the right direction for Russell Wilson to play, uh, whether you interpret that as good or bad. Um, but... <laughs> Is Jared Judy a flex consideration in Week Eight? I think uh, a flex consideration. So, in, in your eyes, that's like a top thirty player in the position. Would you say? I think with that interpretation, Judy has to be a consideration, just because uh, I'm just. I think it's too. It's too bold to just say that no, he's not going to be able to be serviceable top thirty. I think that's too bold. I, I still think it is. Well, I mean, I gotta refer back to the four of seven games oh. have been fewer than eight and a half points. Oh my gosh! I it, <laughs> so it's so I know it's not fun. It, it's so difficult because I feel like at any moment, I, maybe it's the fan in me. I'm just holding on to the fact that maybe they can <laughs> score more than one touchdown in a game, and then that's enough for these players to be serviceable, most likely. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm in denial, but I feel like he is a top thirty play. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not excited about it. I don't have Judy, right, so I'm yeah. glad I'm not having to do that. But I think benching him for uh, the other options you have is is too bold. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the only argument against that is that you know, with only two teams on a buy, I think you know there might be someone that you've been using in place of Judy uh, 
that could get could could, could get you more consistent yeah. production at the flex spot. Um, but maybe maybe it is an upside play. Yeah. To play Jerry Judy. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the bad here. It felt like we were already in it to be honest. But um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's talk about the running back room here. Uh, Latavius Murray on 39% of the snaps. He uh, rushed the ball eight times for 24 yards, found the end zone. That's nice. Uh, and then caught two of his three targets for a negative yard. Um, Melvin Gordon, 11 carries. Uh, he's the, he was the starter, by the way. Um, 11 carries for 33 yards, two catches on four targets for 17 yards. He played 51% of the snaps. And then Mike Boone, who with an ankle injury, he's considered week to week. Uh, Marlon Mack has been signed off the practice squad um, of the 49ers uh, to replace Boone. Um, they split all of these three backs, split touches for a combined value of 19.6 fantasy points. Uh, this pretty much makes all of them unplayable in my eyes. Would you agree? I agree. I, I will say it's not too bold to bench Melvin Gordon. It doesn't make any sense that he's not taking over this backfield completely now that Javante Williams is gone, <laughs> but he isn't. Right. So, yeah, he's basically at the value he was when Javante Williams was there. So, somehow, yeah, at best, somehow that's the case. Yeah, Russell Wilson, like I said, uh, is trending towards a return this week, um, although maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him to get an extra week um, on top of this in their week nine bye to recover. Um, you know, he's suffering from a hamstring and possibly a guilty conscience based on his contract. Um, and so I, I think that <laughs> I was wondering how that was going to tie in. <laughs> I was wondering where the guilty conscience was from. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, moving on, Cortland Sutton had another disappointing oh. game, catching three of nine targets for 23 yards, 5.3 fantasy points. Um, this is consecutive games of single-digit points from Sutton. I know you're going to see the nine targets and, and start to salivate, but uh, we got to focus on are they even catchable targets? You know, that's something yeah. to consider. And so should you, consider, should you continue starting Sutton uh, this week? Again, it's hard for me to say objectively in any instance that you should not be starting these wide receivers, these every down wide receivers. You probably do not have players on your bench that are every down wide receivers like Judy and Sutton. So it's so hard to be like, you need to bench them. And that's why I'm going to say, no, you don't have to bench them. But I, I don't want to talk about this team anymore. How about that? Huh? How about that? <laughs> well, we're kind of... You know, fortunately, this is their last uh, primetime game Ugh. of the season, um, and we won't be seeing them in the playoffs, more likely than not. Hey, so we'll see. I, this bye yeah, week's yeah, going to be we'll a big hope. turning point. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, let's, well, let's go ahead and move on to the Jaguars on the other side of this. Um, I want to start the uh, conversation talking about James Robinson, who's been kind of quiet over the past month, but he was traded to the New York Jets uh, for a six-round pick that could become a fifth-round pick. Um, to replace Brees Hall with his uh, torn ACL. His season is over. Um, Robinson has been on a serious decline in fantasy scoring since week four, uh, but this trade may save his season as he finds himself back in a lead-back role. Um, so what are your thoughts on this, Carson? I love it. I, as, a, as someone as ETN, who you'll get to next, I, mm -hmm. I love that for ETN, and I think for Robinson it does give him an opportunity to kind of restart how he was doing at the beginning of the season um meaning that yeah. he'll just be as good as he was at the beginning of the season when he was getting the usage that he probably will in new york it'll be interesting to see and i assume you'll talk about the jets further later because 
think you also have them. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see how much more involved Michael Carter is rather than it just being James Robinson's backfield. Um, but for ETN, this is amazing news. So I'll let you talk about him and I'll get my popcorn. Yeah, Travis ETN really uh, had a breakout performance and earned that starting role. You know, gave Jacksonville the confidence to trade James Robinson away. Um, ETN rushed 14 times for 114 yards and a touchdown, also converted a two-point conversion, and caught one of five targets for five yards. Did lose a fumble. That's unfortunate. Um, But he played a season-high 80% of the snaps, and this, of course, was was with James Robinson healthy. That's like Saquon Um, snap count numbers. That's that's insane. Uh, ETN has big play upside, averaging roughly six and a half yards per carry on the season. That's fantastic. Uh, that's the, the, that's like Nick Chubb status. Yeah. Um, so you love to see that. I also saw, um, and this kind of seems like a cherry pick stat a little bit, but ETN has more forty plus uh, rush plays than mm-hmm. uh, Najee Harris does in each of their entire careers. <laughs> so that's like one season oh, okay. versus one and a half seasons versus half a season but again it's still interesting yeah i mean well yeah Najee's like yard per carry for his career is like two and a half yards or something yeah, like he just ridiculous. grinds it out so yeah. it's kind of two unfair comparisons there but yeah um but yeah certainly a cherry picked but interesting nonetheless yeah. um let's talk about the pass catchers now christian kirk finally bounced back after a three-game slump uh, with seven catches on 10 targets for 96 yards. Also rest the ball for five yards. You know, get a little wide back action in there. <laughs> nice. um, finish with 17.1 fantasy points. You love to see that. Um, and then Zay Jones, he does warrant uh, borderline flex consideration. Uh, 10 targets is good. Only caught four of them. That's not so good. Uh, 54 yards and another rush uh, for 14 yards for him. Um I'm wondering now, thinking about it, who is Pat Sertan going to guard in this game? Huh? I think it's probably going to be Christian Kirk, probably. so maybe lower expectations there. I'm not exactly sure if Sertan is a shadow corner yet, uh, but he did bottle up Mike Williams quite well um, in their Week 6 matchup. So yeah. uh, keep, keep, keep an eye on that That's one. true. That is true. Um, and then lastly, Evan Ingram continues to perform serviceably as a tight end for this offense, catching four of seven targets for 67 yards. He has scored nine points or better in three consecutive weeks. You like to see that from your tight end. And not that this is a positive, but uh, doesn't have any touchdowns on the season, meaning those those points are coming from catches and yardage, which is, you know, what you're going for. That's true. And uh, this analysis I'm about to do <laughs> is also why I'm picking the Jaguars to win against my Denver Donkeys. But... I feel like this team has found their identity again, like they kind of had in the first three weeks, whenever they were going of James Robinson, and then they kind of had that transitionary period where they're like, you know, again, this is not just affecting this backfield, I was doing Trevor Lawrence analysis last week about this, but now that they have their guy in ETN, and you see these pass catchers getting reliable numbers, and I just looked it up, he wasn't super uh, efficient, but Trevor Lawrence had 43 passing attempts last week, so... It's trending back to how they started the season, and I think that they have an identity, yeah. and that's something that the Broncos do not have. So, yeah, that's why I'm picking the Jaguars <laughs> in London. And, I, of course, I'm picking them as well. Yeah. Um, as I have the last several weeks, and I think this time it's finally going to pay off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's talk now about the Carolina Panthers up against the Atlanta Falcons in this one. Uh, this is our first noon game of the day of the week. And uh, P.J. Walker has been named the starter for Week 8, regardless of Baker Mayfield's or Sam Darnold's availability. I find that a 
a little interesting. Yeah. Um, as someone who you know was entering the year as probably the clear number three on this uh, quarterback room. Yeah, it's like honestly, but honestly, these two guys suck. So let's just prepare him like he's starting. I don't even care if they're healthy or not. I wonder if that designation. I, I assume that has to be like just for this week, even though it says it's not regarding their injury. But I feel like that's not like a rest of season designation. Obviously, so it's probably more like they want yeah. to choose their guy early in the week so that they can make the game plan with him. I guess. Yeah, and I think the reality is. Pretty much, no matter your league size, you no. probably weren't starting any of those QPs. No, that's so, true. Uh, just important to note for the pass catchers and you know the offense in general. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the running backs here, Deontay Foreman looked like the running back you want to have from this team based on volume. He handled 53% of the snaps, uh, got 15 rushes for 118 yards, also caught both targets for 27 yards, got you 16 and a half fantasy points if you were bold enough to start him against the Buccaneers. <laughs> Um, on the other side of that uh, committee, you had Chuba Hubbard, uh, who did find the end zone in Week 7, but handled fewer snaps in 46%, uh, 9 carries for 63 yards, caught 2 of his 3 targets for 10 yards, got you just over 15 fantasy points, if you were bold enough to start him against the Buccaneers. Um, then left the game late with an ankle injury. Um, the expectation is that that injury will not force Hubbard to miss time, although he did miss practice on Wednesday. Um, and then interim coach Steve Wilkes said the running back rotation will still be by committee. Uh, so take that for whatever it's worth. I think Hubbard isn't making lineups, but Foreman is a low-end flex, is my opinion. And I think he's legit, considering what he did filling in for Derrick Henry at the Titans last season. But this is a really mm-hmm. bad offense, so that limits his value and could make could be enough to make you not want to start him. Yeah, uh, that's completely understandable. I think you know, if especially if Hubbard doesn't play, I think Foreman is going to find his way into a, a lot of lineups yeah. that roster him. Yeah. Um, and you know, the Falcons are not exactly a scary team on defense, True. so. I think there's opportunity for him there. Uh, speaking of pass catchers, DJ Moore caught seven of ten targets for 69 yards and a touchdown. Also rushed once for minus three yards. Um, he is averaging nine targets per game over the past month. Um, is DJ Moore a player that you're looking to trade for or trade away following this performance? I feel like my least favorite topics to talk about in these videos are the Broncos offense and DJ Moore side by side. Um, I think that... Oh my gosh. Probably trade four? He's getting the Ooh, targets more reliably. He's get, here here mm-hmm. this this is what I'll I say. I know I know that target stuff yes. is going to get to This you. is what I'll say. First 3 weeks he had 6 targets the across each of those games. So 18 in total on 7 receptions. Now in the past 4 games, quick math, it looks like he's had 36 targets across those four games that's much better Mm -hmm. he got his second touchdown of the season this past week it seems like he can get it done with either well not get it done he wasn't getting it done with baker but he can get it done with pj walker so it shouldn't be due to the quarterback and now that mccaffrey is gone you have to think that he's the focal point of this offense that should always be in a negative Mm -hmm. game script and therefore he's like a brandon cooks from last season kind of value in my eyes so that's why i'll say you know i'm not chomping at the bit to get him but i think that this is trending in the right direction for him well, and also keep in mind that 
Christian McCaffrey has missed a good amount of time over the past couple seasons, and DJ Moore That's has true. been a usable fantasy it, asset it could be, inside the top 25. His value could be more correlated to that than we even realized, but now he definitely yeah. will not have to worry about McCaffrey's uh, health now that he's on a different team, so that's fair. I think I think you've made an interesting and compelling argument for trading for DJ Moore. Um, I think the fantasy manager who's been rostering him all season is going to be happy to get rid of him, and so I think it actually is kind of a sneaky buy-low candidate, so I like that. Yeah, it's possible. I also feel like they're going to see this change. I mean, if they're thinking correctly i guess they won't sell him is my opinion so if they're not then go for him i guess that's mm-hmm. what i'll say so. yeah interesting <laughs> uh let's move on to the falcons now uh marcus mariota completed eight of 13 pass attempts in the entire game that's not one quarter that's not one <laughs> half that is the entire game in week seven nice uh i'm wonder i'm wondering how many more losses it's going to take uh for the falcons to see what they have in desmond ritter their third round rookie from this past draft uh I just I can't imagine that they're going to continue to start Mariota with how few he's how infrequently he's passing the ball. I mean, it's just it's not winning football in today's era. You know, as we've said many times, this is specific to Desmond Ritter. We're not big college football fans, but I was watching kind of some analysis of the NFL Combine and before the Broncos got Wilson, and I was excited about that. before the season started, but before they made that trade, I was it was seeming like, hey, maybe Ritter would be a good spot for or a good place, a good player for the Broncos to draft. Mm-hmm. So it seems right. like from that analysis I was hearing back then that he could be legit. He was on a Cincinnati team that, from what I know, had a very very good offense in the NCAA, and I agree. Like mm-hmm. Mariota obviously cannot get it done as a passer, so they might as well try out the rookie. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, how, how many more losses are it going to take before they pull their heads out of their you-know-what and they yeah. start their rookie? So um, just a uh, something, I think I think a player to watch on waivers, um, you don't necessarily have to pick him up yet, obviously. Nothing's been announced, but um, I, I think sooner rather than later they're going to make that change. Yeah. Um, moving on to the pass catchers, uh, they're all unusable. And the reason is exactly why or what we were talking about with Mariota. 13 pass attempts not even completing all 13 pass attempts, that would be ideal um, with that amount. But yeah, there's just not enough volume to go around for these these talented pass-catching options. And Drake London caught his only target for nine yards, and Kyle Pitts, who caught three of five for, oh, I don't know, nine yards. Yeah. So are you interested? In, and I know <laughs> I know that based on this rant that we've been on, that I, I likely know the answer to this, but are you interested in buying low with either of these guys? I mean, They've got to be just at the bottom yeah, of the barrel value. so I guess, sure. And they cross-apply all of my little bit of analysis, if you can call that on, on Ritter potentially being a good option. If you want to get ahead of the curve and trade for either of these pass catchers before Ritter is named a starter in hopes that he will be mm-hmm. soon and will increase the value, improve upon the value, which is kind of inevitable of these two's pass catchers. Yeah. Um, I feel even better about London. You can't go lower. Yes. I feel even better about London than Pitts just because of like the coach saying uh, the comments he's made about Pitts earlier in the season has just been weird about yeah. like we're here to win yeah. football games. That's just weird to say <laughs> about like your highly coveted unicorn offensive player but london is obviously clearly a player that they want to be involved so obviously not from this past performance but i'm just saying from the previous games in the season so yeah i mean you, yeah, why yeah. not buy low why not yeah if you can afford to uh, make investments like that on your team because you have a good record um these are the kind of players that are pretty near the bottom of their you know the, the minimum of their value so um 
certainly could turn it around if things were to change. Uh, let's lastly mention Tyler Algier, who may have one more week of fantasy relevance as Cordero Patterson remains on IR until at least week nine. Um, he got 11 fantasy points, 16 rushes, 50 yards, did find the end zone once. Um, he has two targets in six games played, so passing usage is almost non-existent, uh, making him a lot less viable in PPR formats. Um, but based on how this team is running their offense, they run the ball quite a bit, and so that volume, if you're desperate, um, you know maybe you faced some injuries or. Maybe you had Jeff Wilson, and, and now Christian McCaffrey is raining on your parade. And so maybe Tyler Algier is a, a one-week fill-in for you this week. Um, I, yeah. I, I find it's very difficult for me to advocate for him, but I think it's important to know that based on how this offense is running, Tyler Algier may have one more week uh, left on the, on the tread, we'll say. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm going to pick the Falcons, I guess. <laughs> okay, and I'm gonna pick the Panthers in this one. All right, interesting. Um, I think I think coming off of a, a a surprising well, I mean it's just you know no one picked the Panthers to win last week against the Bucks. Yeah. I think the Falcons aren't playing to win games, and so I think Carolina's got got some fired up uh, momentum heading into this one. <sighs> yeah, I'm picking them. So yeah. that's that. This bottom of the barrel. I mean, divisional <laughs> matchup is what. But I was about to say that, but like this whole division's been kind of playing very bad, honestly. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it has. It's been weird. All right, we move on to the next one. Okay, so that is the Chicago Bears up against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the good news about the Bears is that they managed to pretty much smack the Patriots last yeah, week. And, and I say good news sarcastically as a Patriots fan, but um, some of the positives in that one, Justin Fields now has back-to-back weeks with over 80 rushing yards. Um, his first his first two touchdown performance since week one. Uh, is Fields worth adding as a bye week fill-in yet? Uh, and let me before you answer that, let me just say his next three opponents after Dallas this week, um, that's home to Miami, home to the Lions, Sorry, home to Detroit and at Atlanta. I think against Detroit and Atlanta, yes. I think against okay. the Cowboys and the Dolphins, no. I think you got to play the matchups with him. But you love where okay. his floor's at with that with those rushing yards totals for sure. So I think it's interesting to consider that Week Nine has six teams on a bye. Um, just like a you know like a preview within a preview, um, but Justin Fields might be usable at home to Miami. I yeah, he could change there. my mind depending on how he does against the Cowboys, but I would not do it this well, week. Well, I wouldn't hear. Well, but that's kind of my point in, in noting those three teams after Dallas is I don't trust him to do well at all against the Cowboys. Yeah. Well, yes, fair enough. <laughs> so you kind of gotta you kind of gotta maybe throw this game out looking in looking ahead to week nine i I could be wrong of course but i think that um this is not the week to start justin fields but moving forward he might have a stretch of games where you could use him um for any of those you know week nine week 10 week 11 buys yeah okay that's fair i see what you mean uh now as far as making dolphins might have to do it without regards to this matchup because this one probably will be tough for him 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so moving on to the running backs, Khalil Herbert had the better fantasy performance of the two. However, both found the end zone in week seven, as you know most of the team did. Um, 12 carries <laughs> for 62 yards, one catch on two targets for 25 yards and a touchdown. Uh, got you 15.7 fantasy points. All good stuff from there. Um, are we getting to the point where Khalil Herbert is kind of entering the Tony Pollard realm where mm. you can kind of start him regardless of Montgomery's uh, being active or not in games? Well, I mean, I don't like that role because I, I never feel good about starting Pollard, uh, just valuing him, but with Zeke being healthy as well. So I think that, yeah, it's becoming that kind of a situation which... Uh, makes it honestly more annoying to roster them either of these running Mm -hmm. backs than not Um, and I think but it's good news for Herbert because you were depending on him just purely to be a handcuff so for to him to have this role that is still an improvement but it Mm -hmm. really does hurt David Montgomery's consistency uh, being placed into your lineups yeah for Montgomery he had 15 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown got you a little over 12 fantasy points in week seven um Head coach Matt Eberflus has said that the Bears will continue to use the one-two punch approach with their running backs. So this kind of usage between these two is more likely than not here to stay. Um, you know, from from what we've seen, obviously Montgomery's missed some time, but uh, Khalil Herbert has looked like the more explosive of the two, of the two and it, it reminds me a lot, honestly, of the Cowboys on the other yeah, side of this. That's true. Um, before we jump to them, I'm going to just you know briefly state Darnell Mooney remains a stash player, um, only catching three of six targets for 53 yards last week. Obviously, this is not the uh, expectation that we had for Mooney coming into the season, and it's not really uh, reminiscent of the player that we saw from him last year. So uh, still a stash. Uh, if you can afford to hold him, you should. Um, because, you know, anything can happen with this offense, but I think they're kind of trending t- more towards the run. They're leaning into Justin Fields' skill set more uh, based on what we saw in Monday Night Football. Yeah, I agree with that analysis on Mooney, and just to rub a little bit of salt in the wound, it looks like this Bears offense had over 200 rushing yards against that Patriots defense. That's that's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's, move, let's move on to the Cowboys on this one. Uh, the home team, the home favorite by 9.5 points. Uh, For fantasy purposes, though, Dallas was in a smash spot against the Lions in Week 7. Home to the Lions, by the way. Uh, But largely disappointed. Dak Prescott looked a little rusty coming off of his hand injury. Um, Although efficient through the air, completing 19-25 passes. uh, Only managed to find the end zone once on a measly 207-yard day. Uh, CeeDee Lamb underwhelmed for a season-low six targets, four receptions on that uh, for 70 yards, and a rush for minus four. Got you 10.6 fantasy points. That is not what you were expecting when you saw uh, home to the Lions on the on the uh, schedule there. Uh, mo- moving forward uh, with the running backs, both running backs got you double-digit points. That's great. Uh, Tony Pollard only handled three fewer carries to Zeke, uh, but being a lot more effective on the ground. 83 yards to Zeke's 57. Um, and also caught both of his targets for 26 yards. Uh, I think we might be seeing a changing of the guard here soon um, as sneakily uh tony pollard handled 65 percent of the snaps compared to zeke's 49 percent. what do you think about that i think that's interesting and and you're about to talk about this in a second but zeke missed practice on wednesday and i think that this could be an opportunity this game if zeke's not there and pollard runs hard and looks good out there to kind of take a bigger control of this backfield and i think that could be interesting yeah so the note about missing practice does complicate matters because 
my initial thought was, you know, 12 of Zeke's 17.7 points came from touchdowns. Uh, I was going to ask you, is he a sell-high candidate? Yeah, all the, the writing's on the wall in terms of his usability as yeah. a lead back. I think he um, has to be a sell-high candidate um, because all of his points have come from touchdowns. Like, all of his performances that have been double digits, I think almost all of them have included a touchdown or close to it. So he's been very, very very touchdown reliant so yeah i think that and if you're trying to again like you said trading away when he's injured probably isn't great but pollard could be taken over so maybe get ahead of that i don't know what it is within me but i'm picking the bears wow okay so nine and a half point favorites as i said um i love that we're starting to pick more games differently uh it makes it a lot more interesting Yeah, maybe i'm trying to lose my lead i think you are honestly because to be honest, I really believe in this Cowboys defense. They're one of the best in the NFL. And <laughs> so, so was another team I heard that they faced last week. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. We're going to get into it whenever we get to the Patriots in this in this later in this podcast. But I, you know what? Let's just hold it till there because I got I got a lot to say about that. One. All right, um, that was really bold for me. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, nine and a half point underdogs on the road. I would I would say so. Yes. Um, okay, let's move on. Miami Dolphins at Detroit Lions for this one. Um, and if you watched any of this game, you would have seen... Well, if you watched at the beginning of the game, I'll say, because the second half was, was a bit of a snooze fest. Uh, no points scored in that second half on Sunday night last week. But uh, Miami looked great to start the game uh, home to Pittsburgh last week. But it was the Steelers' defense, ultimately, that I think lost them that game. They did not drop one or two, but four wow. would-be interceptions that could have shifted the game in their favor. Uh, to, so, like I said, Tua looked really solid and competent and quick um, in the first couple drives of the game, but he kind of lost it uh, later on and threw some very inaccurate balls, some that I think even Tyreek Hill would admit were not the most <laughs> accurate in the NFL. Um, so, I'm not really sure what to take away from that Per se, I'm if I roster Tua and I held him through his injuries, I'm likely starting him against the Lions. I mean, what's not to like there? So yeah. But I think it's important to note he he didn't quite look a hundred percent on top of everything in that game. Like I said, four would be interceptions is a lot, um, and if you know even if two of those go the other way. That's a that's a big shift in the game for sure. Um, someone who is doing a lot with the work that they're getting is Raheem Mostert. He had a strong showing: 16 carries for 79 yards and four catches on five targets for 30 yards and a score. 20.9 fantasy points for Raheem must start. Yeah. Um, you like to see that, yeah. although as a Chase Edmonds drafter, maybe not. Honestly, um, well, yes. As someone, I have him on my team that I have Chase Edmonds, and the reason I probably pounced mm-hmm. on Mostert before anyone else probably was willing to. Is because I had Edmonds. So since I have Mostert mm-hmm. now, I can kind of forget about Edmonds because Mostert is taking over. Um, and it really. That was a savvy move. It, I, I'm happy I did it. And it really does yeah. go to show that Mostert is a legitimate great running back in this league. He just has been plagued of injuries mm-hmm. in the when past. Healthy. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, kind of a Rashad Penny kind of for, first ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> Similar yeah, uh, arc yeah, for yeah. him, too. <laughs> 
All right, and then on to the wide receivers. Not a lot to take away here. Um, obviously, two fantasy studs. Uh, Tyree Kill has had 12 or more targets in all but two games this season. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it got you 14.2 in Week 7. You like to see that. Obviously not his ceiling by any means, but still a solid performance. Um, and then Jalen Waddle seems to be back to his old ways with Tua back under center, catching four or five targets for 88 yards. He got you 12.8. Um, all good on that account. Yeah. Moving on to the Lions, the home team in this one, three-and-a-half-point underdogs, by the way. Um, Jared Goff turned the ball over four times in Week 7, two interceptions, two fumbles. That was, you know, the Dallas defense. Um, but <laughs> now with a bye week, now with a bye week sandwiched by two absolute crushing floor games from Goff, the universe, I think, is trying to tell us something. Uh, Goff should remain on your bench or your waivers in Week 8, um, there are too few quarterbacks unavailable to warrant Jared Goff starting based on how he's performed over the past three weeks. Uh, of course, I'm factoring in the bye, but, you know, that's a, that's another zero. So whatever. Um, yeah, I think moving on I'll just to, say real quick, I yeah, think objectively, you know, everyone, prob- all neutrals were excited to see some life in this Lions offense to start the season. But maybe they are riding off of some hard knocks hype because, honestly, <laughs> it's kind of sure. gone again. Yeah, and, and I think it's I think it's not unreasonable to mention the idea that he's been without Amon Ra St. Brown for the majority of those three games. I think maybe that has something to do with it, but yeah. it's still just not a situation where you can really justify starting Jared Goff this week. So yeah. um, that being said, monitor that injury status of St. Brown. Um, avoided a concussion in Week 7, but was ultimately removed from the game as a result of the new protocols. Uh he displayed instability, and that's one of the new uh, factors that can uh, allow a player to be ruled out. Seems fair. Um, in game. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so another injury to monitor uh, is DeAndre Swift with an ankle and a shoulder injury. Um, Detroit has been extra cautious with the third-year running back. Are you interested in buying low on Swift? I think that's interesting. Um, probably. I think that since Jamal Williams had been vulturing Swift a lot early on, um, has made mm-hmm. Swift's you know early season, not that he's been bad, but been a little unlucky. Um, and I think yeah. that you have to, as we've said many times before, Swift gets it done whenever he's out there and healthy, both either on the ground or through the air. So yeah, he's a player that I'd like to have on my team. So yeah, buy low. Cool. Um, and then just a little, you know, little note, housekeeping sort of. Uh, head coach Dan Campbell has said that Jameson Williams' return remains at least another month away. He's sitting pretty so, on my bench. Yeah. Uh, we're both picking the Dolphins to win this one. I don't think that's too controversial. Yeah. Um, and we can go ahead and move on to the next matchup, which yep. is the Arizona Cardinals at the Minnesota Vikings. So with James Conner and his ribs issue, uh, he was at practice Wednesday. Uh, monitor his status. He was a game-time decision for Thursday night football in Week 7, so I think more likely than not we're going to see James Conner back this week. Um, if he plays, I suspect Eno Benjamin, Keontae Ingram uh, return to backup roles and kind of lack fantasy relevance like they did earlier in the year. Um, talking about the pass catchers now, DeAndre Hopkins made his season debut, and fantasy managers who invested in him, like myself, <laughs> were rewarded handsomely. 20.3 fantasy points, 10 catches on 14 targets for 103 yards. Uh, this is kind of the ideal scenario for Hopkins uh, with Marquise Brown injured. Doesn't have to compete with him for targets. Um, and Hopkins is a borderline wide receiver one as long as Brown remains sideline. Would you agree? 
yeah, I, I think that's fair. He did amazing. He had a wide receiver one performance last week, so I think that's his only game he can go off of this season, so I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Um, with Rondale Moore, on the other hand, I really burned fantasy managers, yeah. and I'm looking at you directly, yeah. <laughs> who started him in week seven, yep. uh, catching one of only two targets for 31 yards. What do you make of that? Um, I had to pull up the snap percentage real quick. 89, so he still was very involved. I think that... He was running wind sprints all game long. I think I'm inclined to believe that this is more of a blip than a new norm for Mm -hmm. him. I mean, it's his second season. Clearly, they've wanted to get Rondo more involved due to the fact that Greg Dorch... That's been the narrative during the preseason. And Greg Dorch filled in for him to start the season, and when Rondo Moore came back, they're like, here you go, here's your spot again. So they clearly value him, and in week six... Week six, ten targets. Week seven, two. Uh, and I, I and Hopkins had fourteen targets. So I expect that to go down a little bit, but more likely, I think Ronda Moore can do more than two targets. I, I it was weird. It, I completely seeing, agree with you. I, I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say the irony of things. Uh, when you were you were a little you were a little mean to Greg Dorch when Ronda Moore returned on this podcast and so hey no i felt I think, bad for him i felt bad for him <laughs> i don't know about that you you review the tape and we'll see all right um he was the one who actually caught a touchdown in this game not rondale moore yeah. so uh maybe maybe a little karma went your way there yeah. uh um, bad Dorch. so i'll ask you i'll ask you and i think you kind of alluded to this but are you giving rondale moore another shot as a flex this week or are you benching him until he proves it on the field i think you could give him another shot just with how involved consistently i mean he's consistently been above i think it was above 85 percent in all four of his starts mm-hmm. this season or yeah 40 85 percent yeah. of snaps so i mm-hmm. think that's really important no that, that's completely fair um i you know on, on a on a limited number of teams on a buy two teams on a buy i keep i keep referencing that um because it is important to note that when there are that few number of players missing it kind of makes these borderline guys a little bit less um must start situations and i wouldn't blame you for benching him until he proves it on the field based on you know how you've had to hold him most of the year uh when he was dealing with injuries so you may have someone that you feel better about at flex, and I wouldn't blame you for choosing them ahead of Rondell. Yeah, I think it's more... You don't have to do either way. How about that? It's it's the fence-sitting answer. <laughs> uh, I have reasoning yeah, to believe cool. that he should He'll be able be to... Better days are ahead. Yes, I have reasoning to believe that, but, yes. you know, if you feel like you need a more assured fire option, of mm-hmm. course, go for that. Yeah. All right. Uh, on, to the, on to the Vikings here. Coming off of a bye in Week 7, uh, Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cooks are being slotted back into lineups, of course. Um, Adam Thielen is a flex with upside. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a serviceable bye-week fill-in at quarterback. And then Irv Smith has been an inconsistent option at tight end, but that's kind of... I could have said that the same way by saying he's been a tight end, um, scoring 10-plus <laughs> twice in six games. So... Uh, yeah, those are that's kind of your rundown for the Vikings coming off of a bye. Um, they are the four-point favorite at home. Who are you picking in this one? I think I am going to go with the Vikings, uh, even though I tend to champion for the Cardinals when they're the underdog. But I think Vikings coming off of a bye. Now I know the Cardinals had a longer rest because they were Thursday. But I think Vikings are going to pick up and maybe prove that they deserve their record that they currently have. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they're division leaders currently. Yeah. So um, I'm picking the Vikings as well for this one. Uh, let's move on to Las Vegas Raiders at New Orleans Saints. 
And I think we got to start right off the bat with Josh Jacobs entering this week as RB4 overall uh, with his bye week already in the books. Assuming Jacobs stays healthy, he could very well be a league winner. Would you agree? Yes, for sure. He was in that dead zone and he's looking elite all of a sudden. Yeah, I looked back at one of our drafts and uh, he went in the sixth round. Yeah, he yeah. So, he was in that dead zone. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really exciting news for them there, uh, with Vegas, although, you know, didn't pick up his rookie, uh, fifth year option. So he might be getting paid somewhere else next year. Uh, that being said, we're talking about this season and speaking of someone who wishes it was last year, Hunter Renfro played 57% of the snaps, caught all three of his targets for 55 yards. And that's kind of whatever, uh, single digit scorer in three of his four games played Injuries and low volume have crushed the player who finished last season as, get this, wide receiver 11 in PPR formats. Uh, Talk about a fall from grace. Yeah, for sure, because he was on the waivers last year and then to start the season and then finished like that, and now he's back down uh, in a rabbit hole. So go ahead and ask your question because I have a a more definitive answer than I usually do. (laughs) Okay, great. So with with only two teams on a bye... Would you flex Renfro? No, I don't think you can play. And you're about to talk about Darren Waller. I almost, mm-hmm. I think mean, it's a little bit different with the tight end, of course, but I'm just talking about flex value. I don't think you can start anyone on this team besides Jacobs and Adams. I think that Jacobs is making this team a rushing offense, and Adams mm-hmm. is still going to get his, but that's really about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're, I think you're perfectly on track with that one, and I'm very proud of you for taking a stand with your answer. Yay! Um, let's talk about Darren Waller uh, with his ailing hamstring. Uh, monitor his status. Foster Moreau did not impress in his fill-in last week. Uh, only got 5.8 fantasy points, three catches on five targets for 28 yards. So at times, Foster Moreau was kind of a sneaky good play in place of Darren Waller last season, but we didn't see it from him last week. Um, I'm not really expecting if Waller to miss again that Moreau rises to the occasion really I, I think you're on the right path with uh with jacobs and adams being the top two and only options that you're w- looking to start on this team yeah yep for sure all right well let's talk about the saints next they are the home team in this one uh andy dalton put up 26 and a half fantasy points in week seven that's pretty fantastic although uh if you would ask his if you would ask him i think he would take a couple of those throws back um, just like the uh, just like the Cardinals did with those passes, if you ca- if you catch my meaning. Yeah. Um, head coach Dennis Allen said Jameis Winston is healthy, but they're going with Andy Dalton for Week Eight. What do you make of that? I think that's bold. I mean, I was about to look up what is the age difference there um, because Dalton. I'll, I got it right here. Let's I see. I think it's pretty. Dalton it's is pretty sizable. Thirty four, and Winston's twenty eight. That is bold. Mm-hmm. That's bold. So you're being ageist. What's going on? Well. I think you got to go with someone who theoretically should be entering the prime rather than someone who's kind of at the latter end of his season become a backup. But he's, mm-hmm. he's proven it out career, on the field. Mean, yeah. So, yeah, I meant career. Yeah. He's proven it out on the field. Mm-hmm. So I guess you can't fault the head coach for making that decision, but it's bold. Well, yeah, and, I, and I, when you say proving it on the field, like they did lose last week pretty convincingly. So I, I think it's kind of an interesting, kind of a perplexing decision Um to be honest, I don't know if there's something more going on behind behind the scenes yeah, there, I but guess that's fair. Um, I f- I feel like 
sooner rather than later at some point this year we're going to see Jameis Winston back at quarterback that's just my thoughts on yeah and now that I'm looking um, at Andy Dalton's stat line like directly he had a Jameis Winston they were not stat impressive line. he had a Jameis Winston stat they line <laughs> yes yes oh you're talking about in week seven right? yeah in week seven um yes lots of touchdowns lots of turnovers yeah um so I think I know the answer to this although I'll ask it anyway um should you start Dalton over anyone this week? No, probably not. Probably not. Um, and I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the pass catchers, Michael Thomas with his foot injury, continue to monitor his status. Um, this was a concern coming into the season um, with Michael Thomas's injury history. And just, you know, I'm rooting for this guy to get back on the field and, and do what he does best. Uh, we just haven't seen it in a while, so yeah. unfortunate there. Uh, with Jarvis Landry, on the other hand, with his ankle injury, three straight games under 10 fantasy points prior to his injury. Uh, Landry's available in close to 70% of leagues, and I think it's probably deserved. Um, just, you know, like I said, based on how he, he was performing prior to his injury, week one he was great, um, but ever since then... He has been a single-digit scorer or inactive. So um, probably best left on benches or waivers for that player. Agreed. Yeah, and then with Jawan Johnson, the tight end, um, although, you know, Taysom Hill, where you at? But uh, Jawan Johnson put up 20.2 fantasy points, catching all five of his targets and finding the end zone twice. Uh, Here's the bad news. He has averaged just over five points per game, prior to his week seven boom performance so i'm not exactly rushing out to put Jawan johnson in my lineup uh anytime soon yeah not legit um not at all we always do this with boom tight end especially whenever you they find the end zone twice it's not legit you got to see it happen a few times but that kind of stat line doesn't happen a few times you're starting well and i think not only go ahead because i'll change it go ahead. okay i was gonna say just not only the two touchdown inflation from his points but also just looking at what he did prior to that week i think it's more likely than not that that kind of reverts back to the mean yeah for Um, sure i mean we've we've seen random texans tight ends random colts tight ends do this just this season and it always absolutely regresses back to what they previously were doing and what i was about to say was you're starting camara i would still say you're starting thomas if he's healthy and you're definitely starting olave who's making a case for like the best flyer in drafts uh this season honestly yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. He's been a great value. Um, no doubt about I'm it. Picking I'm picking the Raiders to win this one, as are you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there so could be that. something behind the scenes of this Jameis Winston decision, and they kind of are banged up. And I just think that the Raiders have kind of found their identity, finally. They're no longer forcing mm-hmm. their offense through Derek Carr because Devontae Adams is there. They know uh, who can be the game changers for them, and I think that's important uh, for their success. Yeah, agreed. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Patriots up against the New York all Jets. Right, I'll get my popcorn. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm just I'm tired of and and it's already been announced that uh, Mac Jones will be the starter in Week Eight. But I, I'm so tired leading up to this week about the talking head saying, "Is there a quarterback controversy in New England?" 
listen, here's the reality. Mac Jones looked uncomfortable. He looked underprepared in his first few drives. He threw a bad interception, and Bill Belichick made the decision to put in the guy who's been helping New England win games, because that's what he's about, winning games. Um, so, and I'm a Mac Jones fan. I was happy that they drafted him, happy with how he performed as a rookie. Uh, he looked underprepared to play on Monday night. And the reality is, going back to Week 7, it's difficult for a team to replace their starter and rally a comeback. Uh, the team looked better with Zappi in at quarterback in that game, and a lot of things went Chicago's way. Multiple fumbles recovered, a couple one-handed interceptions, etc. I mean, it goes the list goes on and on with all the stuff that was going their way. And I and I sound salty as a fan because I am, but uh, I mean, honestly, I think that. When you look at their stats side by side, Bailey Zappi looks like the better quarterback right now. So I, I'm a little surprised that Mac Jones was named the starter um, on Wednesday ahead of this matchup. But I, I think if they if they coach if they coach up the system, the scheme to fit Mac Jones' play style, they're going to be in a better position to win this game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put it down right now. I'm picking the Patriots to win this one. Um, but I will say this, um, something that was a lot more interesting to me personally was the difference in usage between the running backs. And I know that this piqued your interest as well as yeah, someone maybe. who rosters Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. Uh, he played 77% of the snaps and caught all eight of his targets for a career high 59 yards. Also had 11 carries for 39 yards. On the other hand, uh, Damian Harris played 17% of the snaps after practicing in full leading up to the game. So it wasn't because he was unhealthy for this one. Uh, three carries for eight yards and one catch on two targets for two yards. Uh, so do you think this split was a result of a, a negative game script or more indicative of Steve, Stevenson being the lead back for this offense moving forward? I believe in Stevenson. I think he's done a lot with what he's been given uh, in this backfield previously whenever he's had a lot more split time. So I think that he's legit, and I do not think that this will be the split going forward. I think it will end up being closer to equivalent. But I think that Stevenson has put in the numbers to be uh, the guy that gets a little bit more. Um, so for most of the season, I just want to put this out there, that Stevenson has been kind of uh, holding the majority of the snaps between the two, about a 60-40 split. So you're saying more likely than not that will revert to that more than a 70-30? Well, I just say, I, yes. What, what I'll say is that I had been reading that they would basically switch off like every single drive. And I think that right. that sort of approach, where it's just like, oh, it's Harris's turn, oh, it's Stevenson's turn, I think it's going to be a little bit more mm -hmm. tactical about saying that Stevenson's a little bit more of our guy. So I guess it may not represent, be totally representative of snap percentages, but I think just that mentality of who their starting running back is might be a little bit more in favor for Stevenson now. Yeah, I like that. And I think the thing that stands out the most for me is eight of eight targets. Yeah. Catching eight of eight targets, that's he's, he's, very exciting. He's the RB8 in fantasy. <laughs> yeah, that I think that's more indicative of the status of running backs in fantasy this year more than anything. That's true. But, um, but he has played well this year. I can't deny that. Yeah. Um, let's talk quickly about Jacoby Myers. He saw a season-low two targets, catching both of them, however, for 34 yards and a touchdown. That's very uh, out of character. saw that touchdown. Did you see that touchdown Not, catch he made? No, I didn't. So he caught it short of the goal line and then basically, like, leapfrogged forward uh, to cross the plane. <laughs> so it was kind of a fluky touchdown, nice. but we'll take him nonetheless. Um, the early quarterback change, just to, just to 
you know, tie this off in a bow. The early quarterback change in this one threw the game off course, and it was an uphill battle that ultimately resulted in a lopsided defeat. I think if, uh, and, I, and I heard that Mac Jones handled the vast majority of the uh, starting reps in practice, so I think they're going to get back on track. I'm not really buying into the whole quarterback controversy. I don't think he gets pulled in the first, you know, quarter of the game. So in this one, yeah, I think, I, I think they're going to figure it out. I think it's more of a, oh, Mac wasn't ready, and so they had to kind of limit his usage. And I agree with that. So with it's that. kind of surprising that you know their assessment was wrong, but I do think that another week they're wanting to get it out there that he is the guy that they want to go with, at least for this game, um, just to get it more back in control for him to be the clear starter. Um, but Zappi has impressed, especially as a rookie. All right, I can talk yeah, about the Jets now. I think... Uh, yeah, sorry. last thing last thing I want to say, and it's just uh, a simple thing to live by, trust in Bill Belichick. Fair enough. I'll talk about the Jets now, <laughs> this divisional matchup. So, Brees Hall's season right. is over due to an ACL tear, which is very disappointing because he was starting to really break yes. out, probably potentially become the offensive rookie of the year with how things were looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is very unfortunate. And, uh, yeah, very disappointing. But the Jets trade for James Robinson, as we already talked about, I think that most likely keeps Michael Carter's value the same, but this has got to be something you have to monitor. Um, and I think we've both already picked the Patriots. I think a big thing is, for me is going to be they're not going to be able to replace Brees Hall, who's been such a key part of that offense just in this first mm-hmm. week that Robinson yes. is there. I know they trade from pretty early to get him you know, uh, some practices with the team, but he's not going to go in and yeah. play like Brees Hall. Um, but... I think I've kind of already given you the answer, but are you confident in starting Robinson in week eight? No, absolutely not. Um, there are too few teams on a bye yeah. to just be like, oh yeah, I'm definitely starting James Robinson, who uh, despite playing on Sunday is on a short week with a new team. So uh, no, it's not something that I'm looking to put in my lineup, but I definitely am happily uh, keeping him on my bench to see what he does in this game. Um, yeah. you know, there's a league where I roster ETN and James Robinson, and this is best case scenario for both. So yeah. um, it's a win-win for that. And uh, yeah, keep him out of your lineup this week. I think that's pretty reasonable to advocate for. Uh, but looking forward, I think that this could be a great option, and we've already mentioned it, that yeah. this could save his uh, fantasy season. And just to get this in here as a kind of a preempt, if Michael Carter does very well this week, I would still be skeptical because I do think that Robinson's going to be their guy if they're willing to trade for him that quickly um, instead of yeah. just going with the second-year running back. So I expect his snap count to go up. So this is kind of my uh, perspective Great. from the future. <laughs> so mm-hmm. with Zach Wilson, <laughs> had fewer than 20 completions for the fourth straight game and has only thrown one passing touchdown in the four games he's played this season. Ouch. We love Zach Wilson. Consequently, Elijah Moore has requested to be traded before Week 7, but the Jets are not entertaining that idea, and I think he was held out of this game kind of unofficially because of of that, but maybe officially? Well, I mean, I think more likely than not it was because of that. Um, Yeah. I heard Robert Sala in in a uh, press conference basically saying that, yeah, he's available to play. He's not playing. Um, That's kind of the situation. Yeah. And... um, I think, you know, as the trade deadline in the real NFL approaches, which is uh, November 1st, I, they're saying they're not going to entertain the idea. I disagree. I think they probably should. If yeah. he wants to be out, uh, it's kind of a lose-lose situation unless you trade him all away because yeah. he's not going to just change his mind after the trade deadline and be like, okay, guys, I want to play again. So 
Yeah. Um, yeah I think weird. more likely than not, he gets moved. I feel bad for him. I feel like I don't even oppose this question. You're not starting any Jets pass catchers, are you? <laughs> no. I mean, and, and the stat that you said, the two stats that you can look to are fewer than 20 completions in four straight games and one passing touchdown. There's yeah. no volume to go around for these guys. Agreed. I am, as we've both said and kind of already said our reasoning, both picking the Patriots in this one. Yeah. Go Pats. All right. Move on to a huge spread, Steelers at Eagles. Eagles are the 10.5-point favorite. So if the Steelers, Najee Harris averaged 22.4 touches per game last season, while this season he is currently averaging 16.8 touches per game. Does this, does that alone explain the difference in Harris's fantasy production this season, in your opinion? Um, maybe not alone, but I think it's I think it's interesting to, to mention because... I think a lot of those touches he's missing came from the passing game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, of course, in PPR scoring is a very valuable thing for for running backs. So, For sure. Yeah. Najee Harris is really disappointing this year. Um, And I think part of it is due to, you know, a lack of identity on offense from what we've seen so far. You know, Mitch Trubisky being Mitch Trubisky and then... The rookie coming in, showing some flashes, but, you know, struggling as a rookie is expected to do. So I think it's more circumstance than the player, if that makes sense. And uh, I, I would still probably argue for buying low on Najee Harris, and that might be controversial, but um, I still believe it to be something that they can pull themselves out of, yeah. you know, eventually in the season. I think... That is interesting that you've noted that about kind of an identity of this offense because I feel like we've actually noted a lot of teams in this episode that have kind of found their identity and the Steelers are not one that have done that. They probably should have just rolled out with Pickett to start the season, honestly. I don't know why probably. going for Trubisky was really the offseason move that they were going for. Um, and it, mm-hmm. they, it happened very early on. It was very strange, honestly, in my opinion. But with Kenny Pickett... Uh, was 34 for 52 on his passing in week five and 32 of 44 in week seven. So he's slinging it at a pretty good completion percentage. Um, but he's only thrown two passing touchdowns this season. And I believe the three games, he came in late in one of them, but I think he's kind of had three full games. Yeah. But, and, well, he also did kind of a concussion. So not a ton of passing touchdowns and has been struggling with uh, injuries, but he's fine now. But does yeah. this kind of passing volume provide hope for the floor of Steelers pass catchers going forward? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Deontay Johnson. I, I looked at it this morning. He's he's fourth in the NFL in targets, but he <laughs> is guy. well below. He's well below those other guys, you know, in that same area for catches. That's kind of the problem. It's been, he's been getting a lot of uncatchable targets, we'll say. Yeah. Um, and so if that improves, um, then yeah, there is upside for all these players. George Pickens, uh, looks like one of the most uh, gifted players in terms of making the catch. Yeah, making it um, happen. That we've seen, yeah, that we've seen from a rookie in a long time, and so that's exciting as well. Uh, and when Pat Fryermuth is healthy, you know he always finds a way to get involved, whether it be in the red zone or otherwise. So there are a lot. There's a lot of talent around Kenny Pickett. Yeah. And I think if they can kind of you know get into a groove and figure things out, they're gonna they're gonna bounce back and maybe maybe save uh mike tomlin's uh five you know above 500 win-loss record streak yeah and i i have you know it's just rumors but i've overheard some stuff about claypool potentially being involved in some trade talks and um i think that's kind Mm -hmm. of unofficially but that would be good for this offense i think um but they are getting the volume so i think it's only a matter of time 
but still not a great offense. They just need to find their identity. That's kind of been the theme of this episode, and I think that's what they need to do. Uh, easier said than done. Yeah. So let's talk about the Eagles. They were well, especially when they're going up against the undefeated Eagles, true. <laughs> who are on by in Week Seven, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I know you're not the biggest Miles Sanders fan, so maybe this is peddling towards you, but Miles Sanders has had four double-digit fantasy scores this season, but only one of them occurred without a touchdown. Is there a situation mm-hmm. where you would consider not starting Sanders in your lineup? Um, I would have had to... I would have had to maybe made a trade for a more consistent running back, but why would I have kept Miles Sanders on my team if I did that? Um, yeah. The way I see it is that Sanders is putting up number numbers, and he's getting good volume um, rushing the ball. This is a team that, uh, you know... After coming or you know after being on by has lost their lead in rushing in the NFL that now belongs to the Chicago Bears, mm. but I would still say Miles Sanders is getting a lot of good volume in this offense. I, I think I think we've kind of I think he's kind of proven us wrong with how we ranked him in the preseason. Yeah, I think that's fair, um, and as I talked about I believe last week or two weeks ago. You know, this offense, fantasy-wise, is interesting of Jalen Hurts because he can kind of be a rushing touchdown vulture and not throw a lot of passing touchdowns, but he does both of those things. So the offense is good, but he can kind of limit that ceiling sometimes. But So it can be hard to predict some of these players, but they are getting the volume just because they are a really good team. Um, A.J. Brown has only had one single-digit fantasy score this season, so he's a consistent player in this offense. Devontae Smith seems to have carved out a consistent role for himself in this offense. So I expect that to continue. And Dallas Goddard, um, kind of more question marks for him. He's averaging 11.28 fantasy points per game, but in week six against the Cowboys, the last game he played, he only had two catches on six targets. Are you still confident in starting Dallas Goddard? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, this is, you know, arguably one of the best teams in the NFL right now. Uh, They are finding success both on the ground and through the air. And Dallas Goddard, you know, like any tight end, as we've seen from Mark Andrews uh, last week, uh, any tight end can burn you. Yeah. So it's really a matter of is he in a good position and situation to find success fantasy-wise? Yes, he is. So yeah. I'm, I'm okay starting him. And we're both picking the Eagles to win this one. I know. We talked up the Steelers being like, hey, there's so much talent around. But you know what? Sometimes when you go into the Thunderdome, you get burned. So uh, picking the Eagles to win this one. All right. Move on to the first afternoon Sunday game we'll talk about. Titans at Texans. And I don't have a ton of notes for either of these teams. Um, But with the Titans, Derrick Henry had 30 rushing attempts and three receptions. Ryan Tannehill had 13 pass completions. And all I have right here is enough said. I mean, that's the offense. Yeah, that this was the preseason analysis we gave for Tennessee. Yep, um, it's Derrick Henry and ten guys blocking for him. So, so yeah, go. no, no doubt about There's that. There's really nothing else to say. Traylon Burks is still on IR. Um, Robert Woods did not pick up the slack for his absence, but you know it's hard to do so when your quarterback only has 13 pass completions, as we know. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's really all there is to be said about them. Uh, move on to the Texans. I honestly hate the Titans. I hate that they have a winning record, I believe, or a 500 record, something like that. I, no, it's gross, and they're the favorite here. Whatever. Texans. Uh, monitor Nico Collins' groin injury, which forced him out of the game in the third quarter. Um, what are you going to monitor? His groin injury. Oh, okay. 
Are you going to do that from a distance or up close? I I always use that same wording. What what are we talking about here? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's about the it's about the it's about the area of the injury, that's all. Oh, this is interesting. I just looked this up and uh, it says tech <laughs> What's a groin? No, stop it. It says Texans head coach <laughs> Lovey Smith said Nico Collins is out on Wednesday for practice, but not mm-hmm. for the season. Why is that the word? Yeah. I well, I think it's just like He's not. He's going to come back eventually, but yeah. maybe not this week. I think that's kind of the the takeaway from that. Yeah. So, I guess I'll talk about what could result from that. Davis Mills had 28 pass completions and threw for 302 passing yards, uh, but no Texans pass catcher had a great fantasy day. Brandon Cooks is averaging 10.35 fantasy points per game. You asked me about him last week, and now with the potential of Collins being out, how do you value Brandon Cooks? Um, I think he is a flex consideration uh, with with upside, obviously, um, with the absence of Collins, who has been kind of, you know, guy, at least kind of jockeying him for the position of number one pass catcher on the team. So, yeah, th- with the absence of Collins, Brandon Cook's stock goes up a little bit. And, uh, you know, like I said, only two teams on a buy, so you're not exactly forced to start Brandon Cook's, but I think it's a good spot uh, especially with this Titans defense that, you know, just not that great. I feel like Davis Mills has been very underrated uh, for what he's done in this situation as a young quarterback. Um, he's not single-handedly winning games, but he's been consistent in an offense that has... Yeah, they only have one win. So I'm just saying, but in an offense I that get what you're really saying. lacks numbers, skill, but possession, not, not skill possession uh, talent. But yeah, uh, so just wanted to say that for my guy, if you're watching Davis Mills, because we definitely know each my other. My guy, okay. Yeah, he's my guy all of a sudden. That's that's phony. Um, exactly. Someone who's probably someone else's guy if they drafted him, Damian Pierce. He's been legit, averaging 20 fantasy points per game in his last four games. He proved us wrong about you know him not having the college usage. How would that translate to the NFL? But he's been he's been pretty dominant. So. Yeah, and I think the preseason hype ended up being warranted, although it yeah. was a very strange start to, uh, yeah. to the year. I'm disagreeing, again, if your cursor is indicative of what you're doing. I'm feeling the Texans. Yeah, I am going to pick the Titans in this one. I think Derrick Henry is just too too tough to stop. Um, the Texans are kind of a, a wet napkin when it comes to stopping running backs, and so... Yeah. Um, I'm taking the. I'm taking. Derrick I did Henry see an incredible games. stat of like Derrick Henry's past three games against uh, the Texans. I think it was at least 500. At uh, 500. No, no. I think it was at least 500 rushing yards and like five rushing per touchdowns. Game. Yeah, per game. Yep, per game. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, very good. Uh, you're starting him. All right, we'll move on to Commanders <laughs> at okay. Colts. Uh, with the Commanders, upset win against the Packers. Um, have we talked about the Packers yet? I think we have no, it. I cannot wait. Football. That's another offense that I love talking about. Um, All right. But let's talk about the commanders. Stay tuned. Yeah. So with the backfield, Brian Robinson had 22 touches on 47% of snaps, but Antonio Gibson had 13 touches and a receiving touchdown on 39% of snaps. Can you mm-hmm. conf- – I'm, I'm just going to say that you can't confidently start Gibson. That's the claim I'll make. But can you confidently start Robinson going forward? So I would say – in standard scoring, non-PPR. Okay. Uh, Brian Robinson has a good uh, profile in that kind of scoring system. The fact that he's not really getting involved in the passing game does, to me, kind of limit his viability in PPR. Um, but he's getting good volume, yeah. and that's valuable. Um, we have seen him get in the end zone. He's getting most of the goal line touches. 
Um, that's valuable on, you know, not a team that puts up a lot of points generally, but up against the Colts, I could expect, you know, 24-plus uh, points from the Commanders in this yeah. one. So confidently is a strong word when it comes to Brian Robinson starting in your lineup, but um, I think the answer is you can start him. Yeah, I think that's fair, and the standard versus PPR distinction is uh, is mm-hmm. a good point. Um, I want everyone to remember that Antonio Gibson was a wide receiver in college, right, and converted to a running back, so he might yeah. very well just completely take that J.D. McKissick role, uh, I guess. Yeah, that's weird. I, I don't know about that. Uh, it's, it is weird. I agree. Um, yeah. He has no value, McKissick, that is, anymore, uh, especially with... Yeah, he just has no value. Um, well, and outside of best ball, you were never really starting. Yes, so. but he's always, you know, big bye weeks, not like this week, but a bye week that has a lot of teams. He's always kind of emerged as like a top waiver target because of his PPR usage, but I'd say that's out the window now mm-hmm. for sure. Um, with the pass catchers, yeah. Terry McLaurin had 18.3 fantasy points. Curtis Samuel had 12.9. They both did this with Taylor Heineke at QB, so you feel good about their floors no matter who the quarterback is, I guess you could say. You got anything to add onto that? Well, I think I think what I what I really like to see is that Terry McLaurin had a good day. Yes, um, leading this receiving and I think core. That, and I think the fact that Taylor Heineke was there, I think aided that. And yeah. that was something I talked about For last sure. week in last week's preview. Um, it's good to see that you know Terry McLaurin's putting up points like we were expecting him to when Carson Wentz was under center. So. Uh, this might actually be good news uh, for that offense. You know, obviously you don't root for injuries, but um, I think they can. I think they can figure it out. They had a gutty win against the Packers, and I'm my stock is going up for McLaurin moving forward. Uh, Curtis Samuel still kind of a borderline flex guy for me. I think that is fair. Um, something to note though is that Jahan Dotson and Logan Thomas were both inactive, so they obviously, even though they would be the top two pass uh, passing options out of this offense they really were that with the absence of those two players um yeah so move on to the colts though so this has been interesting mainly due to matt ryan's lackluster performances but also due to a grade two flexor strain in his shoulder but i've seen that the coach has said it has nothing to do with injury the colts have announced that sam ellinger ellinger will be the starter for the rest of the season uh ellinger (laughs) has yet to throw a nfl pass so this will definitely be a situation to monitor. <laughs> well, he's gotten some action in preseason. Yeah. Let's not, let's not discount What do you him. think of this situation and this decision? I know that Ryan has had big issues of turning over the ball so far this season, but what do you think about this? So I've heard that this move came from the owner and not the head coach, which I find wow. interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, I, think, I think some people are misinterpreting this situation as... Uh, um, I'm drawing a blank. Frank Reich on yeah. Frank Reich's situation being in dire uh, situation, and he is uh, trusting Ellinger over Matt Ryan. I don't think it's actually in his hands. Yeah, so he's on the hot seat uh, despite their three three and one record. Um, he's on the hot seat in this one. I think what's really more of a pressing story is what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. He looks like a guy. And not the guy. Yeah, I can jump to him. He had 15.5 fantasy points, and as you were alluding to, weird usage for him. 10 rushes for 58 yards, but 7 receptions on 8 targets for 27 receiving yards. Um, averaging 13.1, 13.14 fantasy points, which is definitely not the player you wanted to draft at the 101 spot in your draft. But 
It's been weird usage, so uh, I guess I'll throw it back to you. Buy low. Is he a buy low candidate? Or are you really just concerned about his the way he's being used? I don't know. Yeah, I think I think what we've seen from him this year, it's like, at what point is this going to become the new norm? Because it just feels like he's not being used properly, but they're sort of winning games they're sort of not i just this is a team that kind of lacks identity yep. as we've kind of <laughs> been pounding it's that true. theme this whole show <laughs> didn't know that was gonna um, happen but it really is true no it was it was unplanned but it's it's coming out organically and i think that that's something to pay attention to uh with jonathan taylor yeah obviously if you're in a good position in your standings yeah make an offer for jonathan taylor because we know the talent's there. It's yeah. just about the opportunity. And so we'll see how that goes. But um, you wanted to jump back to Paris Campbell quickly. Yeah. Um, oh, quickly. And talk about his kind of, yeah, his pop-up. Yeah, so Paris Campbell, 17 receptions on 23 targets and two receiving touchdowns across his last two games combined. He is still only 25 years old. News or noise? I think it's still noise All right. Right for right now. Um, I think the quarterback change could add to that, personally. That's that's why I'm saying it, yeah. because the quarterback change is imminent. Uh, we don't know. You know, Matt Ryan is, like, I think third in the NFL in passing yards. Mm-hmm. So he's been throwing the ball a heck of a lot. I don't know what Sam Ellinger is going to do in this offense. Uh, maybe they lean heavily on Jonathan Taylor, and that helps his value. But, um, yeah, with Paris Campbell, I think with the quarterback change uh, looming, it's not a spot where I'm looking to start him yeah. uh, this week. I'm going commanders. But, but yeah, definitely definitely keep him on your bench. It could be it could be something. Yeah, waiver target for sure if he's on your waivers. Um, yeah, as I just said, I'm going for the commanders. I'm going kind of wild this week. I'm trying to lose my lead. Or yeah, double it. You're going, you're going with you're going with the <laughs> you're going with the commanders in this one. I'm going to join All you right, because cool. I think I think the commanders defense is going to, you know, they they limited Aaron Rodgers last week I think that uh going up against a quarterback that hasn't done anything in real NFL yeah. gameplay we're not just um, talking figures it's not <laughs> it's not that bold of a pick uh to go against the rookie QB so I'm good with that yeah um Colts don't have an identity even less than a team <laughs> with a backup QB two backup QBs going against each other um, all right, let's move yeah. on to... Should be a fun one to watch. Yeah, let's go on to Giants at Seahawks. <laughs> so Daniel Jones, briefly mentioned him earlier, threw for 202 passing yards and one passing touchdown while also rushing for 107 rushing yards and one touchdown. One rushing touchdown. Nice. Uh, what do you make of that? <laughs> I think that Daniel Jones is kind of leaning to his skill set, especially with the lack of pass catchers on that team. Yeah. Uh, you know, RIP to our uh, mention of Daniel Bellinger yeah. last week because it's he's high. now likely season-ending uh, surgery oh, wow. required for his, yeah, for his, uh, I think it was some, It was either something to do with his nose or his no, eye. No, it was his eye. Right? He, you like, know, literally got tell. poked in the eye or something. Yeah, it was hard to tell because, like, the face mask and the angle of the camera, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a difficult situation there. He was, you know, kind of trending in the right direction yeah. for tight ends, and so that's unfortunate. But um, just another loss to the receiving core on this team. So, yeah, Daniel Jones is having to kind of put the team on his back, um, along with Saquon Barkley, of course. Yeah. But um, 
I think someone that is popping up, and you're, you've got him here, is Wandale Robinson. Yeah, I'm wanting to focus more on Wandale Robinson than Slate, Darius Slayton, who caught a touchdown. I had a pretty good fancy day, but he only had three catches. But Wandale Robinson had a more legit stat line in my eyes. Six receptions on eight targets, mm-hmm. 50 receiving yards, 69% of snaps, up from 23% in week six. Um, nice. Is it too bold to say that you could maybe start him this week? Uh, he's a flex consideration. All right. Um, you know, I keep I keep going back to it. Two teams on a bye. It's not yeah. you're not exactly strapped for choices, but um, yeah, Wanda Robinson is trending in the right direction as you've alluded to, based on his snap percentage and his target share. And I mean, really, who else are you competing with on that team for for Nobody. targets? That's yeah, why like we've it, t- it's a, he finds himself in a good yep. spot. That's why we've talked about so many different names of this offense because he really isn't competing with anyone. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll move on to the Seahawks. So monitor DK Metcalf's knee injury. You know, I see reports about what Pete Carroll has said, but I wouldn't listen to anything <laughs> that guy says in regards to injury. I mean, Dr. Pete. My guy Chris Carson, sad that his career ended the way it did. Had him on my team last year. Pete Carroll claimed that he might play the following Thursday night football. He never played again due to the injury. So, yeah, yeah. yeah not trusting anything that. But it seems like DK Metcalf won't need surgery, which is really good in it not being a super long-term injury but just monitor it um but yeah i had to go on a little pete carroll rant with uh, injury designations sure <laughs> um all right with marquise brown 22.7 fantasy points marquise goodwin yeah marquise who's mark that's hollywood uh marquise goodwin 22.7 <laughs> fantasy points he had two the receiving Olympian. touchdowns on before uh catches and I think he did a backflip at the end of the game, but that doesn't get you any points, but maybe some flair. Uh, but news or noise for that kind of a stat line? <laughs> well, he kind of put up a DK Metcalf type stat yeah, line. Uh, I guess that's fair. Small amount of catches uh, and multiple touchdowns. So I think I think it's noise until DK Metcalf is put on IR or yeah. you know misses this coming week. Um, if he misses week nine, I think Marquise Goodwin is in flex consideration at that point because of how many teams are on a buy in week nine um so yeah marquise goodwin is someone to add off of waivers and wait and see um but obviously you know tyler lockett is gonna pretty much take a bump from this uh from this injury news if metcalf does miss time and yeah i think i think goodwin can find a spot on this team uh, to do some similar damage. Yeah, and just if you've never heard of Marquise Goodwin, had to pull him back up because I do recognize the name. This is his 10th season, I believe, in the NFL. He's 31 years old, and his best ever season was finishing uh, 30th, wide receiver 30 in PPR in 2017 with the 49ers. So, I mean, he's, he's been serviceable before. Um, not a complete nobody, but definitely has not been a consistent starter throughout his entire career. But, uh, yeah, just some context mm-hmm. for him. Uh, Tyler Lockett led the team in targets with eight. You expect him to be the one to pick up most of the slack from Metcalf, you would assume, if he was to miss time, yeah. and to continue being yeah. uh, pretty reliable uh, in this offense. And Kenneth Walker, though, I mean, this is clearly the focal point of this offense, the rookie. 28.8 fantasy points, 23 carries, 168 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, averaging 117.6 rushing yards per game in his last three games. <laughs> Uh, back-to-back games of 20-plus rushing attempts, four rushing touchdowns across his last two games, uh, two receptions, though, on three targets across his last three games. So with that in mind, I don't know if maybe I'm being a little too picky. Are you concerned about Walker's lack of receiving work or does his rushing usage alone make him reliable? 
Well, you just uh, you just said uh, averaging over a hundred rushing yards per game. So, yeah, I will say uh, it's, that's that's a little misleading. I know week five it was like eight carries for eighty yards, so it's like one big run, but it does add on to the yeah. their stats. Yeah, I mean, well, whether they're on a variety of short yardage runs or very few big runs, yeah. uh, the reality is that he's getting close to twenty five touches a game, and that's. That's what you're looking for, talent and opportunity. He has both. Yeah. So uh, Ken Walker is a lineup lock uh, except for week 11 when he's on by. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, who are we going to pick in this one? This is interesting. I guess I'll go with the... It's, you know what's interesting to me is that the Giants are three-point underdogs. Yeah, in this one. and I was, I'm, I'm going with them. Yeah. Okay, that was convincing. Yep, very convincing. Um, I looked up, thought it was going to be clear, and saw that they were underdog and got a little sca- stage fright. You know, I hate to do this because if DK Metcalf were healthy, I would take Seattle and be like, yeah, it's definitely going to be Seattle who wins this one based on how they took down the uh, the Chargers last yeah. week. But I'm a little bit more on the fence with this one. So <sighs> I think the question marks around DK did really sway me to the Giants. Yeah. They keep on scraping and... out wins. I think... I think I'm going to go with you on the Giants with this one. I, I that, That's not the one that I want to lose a game over. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> we can move on to 49ers at Rams divisional matchup. So with the 49ers, uh, Christian McCaffrey made his debut with the 49ers on only 28% of snaps. So if you're disappointed, you shouldn't be. He'll get more involved. Uh, Jeff Wilson becomes me. Oh, yeah. I'm- go ahead. I, no, I just wanted to say, like, I, I anticipated the usage being yeah, it's not very low relative to his normal uh usage and so i made the decision to bench him in my league last week and it did not cost me because he only got about nine fantasy points so seeing him out uh, there at all was uh kind of surprising so just why yeah you know what he looked really good so when he gets more familiar with this offense he's going to be a problem yes uh jeff wilson becomes merely an insurance back as he will likely get phased out of this offense and elijah mitchell will come back eventually, I think after their week 9 bye, I think it might be. To be another insurance back, I think it's going to yeah. be past week 10. I should have picked up Deontay Foreman and dropped Jeff Wilson. I literally was a click away from doing that. <laughs> Don't know why I didn't. Just didn't feel like it, I guess. Um, moving on. <laughs> Couldn't be bothered. I guess not. Brandon Ayuk yeah. has had 15 receptions on 22 targets and two receiving touchdowns over his past two games. That's trending in the right direction. George Kittle yeah, has had 14 receptions on 19 targets and one receiving touchdown over his past few games. That's also trending in the right direction. Um, good, so that's good. good with Jimmy G. And I guess I won't read all these stats of Debo, uh, but you just traded away Debo. And I will say he's currently day-to-day with a hamstring strain, but he did play 86% of snaps in Week 7, so he was involved. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you know, we've seen the early half of last season, Depot was a wide receiver. And then the second half, he was that kind of receiver back, dual threat, no paralleled player uh, kind of role. And now this season, right. he's been more of that receiver again. And I know you've argued in the past yeah. that you like that role more for him. Um, but are you worried? Well, it's a lot. Uh, let me just get the question for you. Are you worried yeah, about yeah. Depot potentially not being the focal point of this offense anymore with the arrival of Christian McCaffrey? So here's the way that I look at it, is that the addition of Christian McCaffrey gives defenses one more problem to deal with on this team. Um, you've You've got Christian McCaffrey, you've got Debo Samuel, you've got George Kittle, and you've got Brandon Ayuk trending in the right direction. These are all 
these are all good weapons yeah. at Jimmy Garoppolo's disposal. You know, think about the upside if it was, uh, you know, if Trey Lance were still available. Yeah. But, however, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing well, uh, despite what we saw last week. Um, but to answer your question, I'm not worried Debo is not going to be the focal point anymore, but I think what's really going to happen is that the defenses are going to have to decide week after week who are they going to try to stop because you can't stop them all. And so maybe he will be less consistent season long, but he's going to have big games still to come uh, based on that challenge uh, that the offense is going to present to the teams they play against. Yeah, and I think just kind of describing the different ways he's been used, his unparalleled versatility, I think, makes it to where he will get it done no matter what the game script is. Um, so I think I'm more inclined to believe that. And I'm going to go with you real quick and pick the 49ers. But let's talk about the Rams. So they were on bye in week seven. Uh, Matthew Stafford has thrown six passing touchdowns and eight interceptions across his six games this season. Uh, he won a Super Bowl last season, believe it or not. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, which he threw a ton of interceptions last season too, but was throwing a lot more touchdowns as well. Um, yes. But with Tyler Higby, I'll talk about real quick. He had 24 targets across weeks four and five, but had one catch mm-hmm. on two targets in week six. Um, weird. Another thing that's weird about these <laughs> receivers, Allen Robinson outscored Cooper Cup in week six. Weird. Robinson has had two double-digit fantasy performances this season, scoring one receiving touchdown in each of them. Uh, the Rams are trying to trade Cam Akers. Thoughts on this offense? <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think Cooper Cup is still a must-start. Yeah. There's no denying that. Um, Allen Robinson has not proven himself to me yet to put him in my lineup. That's me personally. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty risk averse with him, but to be honest, like you, like you said, he's only had two double digit fantasy performances this season. Um, makes him pretty touchdown dependent. And with Tyler Higby, I mean, if you roster Higby, you probably don't also have Travis Kelsey, um, and then with Gerald Everett, he's kind of another one of those guys like Tyler Higby who was picked up later in the year. I'm just thinking about bye weeks here. Yeah, like realistically. Um, as I tend to do. you feel forced but, to start him. Well, I don't even think it's about forced. I think what's more realistic is that he bounces back, not maybe not to the tune of 24 tar- like 12 targets a game, yeah. but I think it's going to be a lot better than two. So I'm not That's really fair. concerned about starting Tyler Higby. That's fair. Um, yeah, we're both picking the 49ers. I think another week mm. with McCaffrey being there is going to make this offense even more. The only thing that can hold this team back is Garoppolo, and he usually is competent enough, but they have a great defense on top of this new star-studded cast of an offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I do want to mention really quick that uh, Kyron Williams, the mm-hmm. rookie who has been on IR with an ankle injury for the Rams, has entered his 21-day window to return from IR, although Sean McVay has said that he likely will not be available for Week 8. He is a speculative ad. Yeah, um, saw you I went, just do that. I went through, yeah, I went through some of his uh, college highlights because, you know, I didn't know who he was coming into the season. Yeah. But um, he looked he looked really good. He was a Notre Dame back that uh, was involved a lot in the passing game and the highlights that I saw. So uh, as a PPR player, I think that's actually really exciting news. Um, and it could be a shift 
uh, away from Daryl Henderson, which we saw earlier in the year with Cam Akers. Yeah. Uh, not immediately, obviously, but there was a point before Cam Akers ate uh, Sean McVay's chunky noodle soup <laughs> that, um, that, <laughs> that that Cam Akers was taking the job away from uh, Daryl Henderson. So I'm, I'm thinking Kyron Williams could, could do the same thing in the future. Yeah, I think they don't really want Daryl Henderson to be their uh, bell cow back. I mean, they kind of their hand was kind of forced last season of Akers getting injured in preseason, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that mm-hmm. is realistic that he could maybe emerge in this offense. Um, yeah, so... But 49ers are going to win this. That's what we think. So move on to... Yeah, and just just to wrap that up, if Kyron Williams is available in your league and you can afford uh, holding him on your roster, pick him Agreed. up. Agreed. All right, Sunday Night Football. Packers at Bills. Let me go ahead and put my initials by the Bills. 11-point favorite. Um, Whoa! You're not. This isn't a. This isn't an upset alert for you. No, I. Uh, I've already done my, <laughs> my bold pick today, picking the Bears. That's true. Which is probably That's the true. first time I've done that this season, honestly. Um, but they have. You know what's funny is like part of me, not to get too off track. I mean, obviously it's on track because it's the teams that we're talking about. Yeah. But Part of me, a small part of me, thinks that Aaron Rodgers could find a way to win this one, but I'm not picking them. I'm yeah. Just, I just prime time. If it comes to like, if, hey, it, guys. if it comes to next week. If it comes to week nine and it, and I was completely off base, I'll ignore it. If they put up a fight, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to mention it. That, yeah, that's just, yeah, you get to pick and choose there. That's really nice. All right, let's talk about that's the right. Packers. Aaron Jones led the team in receptions with nine receptions on 10 targets while also being on the receiving end of Aaron Rodgers' two passing touchdowns. So that's, that's great for him. That's the second time he's done that this year. Yeah, that's great for him, who it's not great yeah. for, um, surprisingly. I'll say surprisingly because you would think that A.J. Dillon would be having a lot of rushing work with Aaron Jones having this type of day, but Aaron Jones had four carries and zero targets. Even Jones had eight carries on top of that very heavy receiving usage. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'll ask you, is Aaron Jones completely taking over the fantasy value in this backfield? You know, looking at their uh, snap percentage, uh, Dillon is trending in the wrong direction. Jones is trending in the right direction, so it is looking more like more like a 70-30 split uh, moving in that direction at least. Um, Yeah, A.J. Dillon is unplayable right now, and I don't think you should drop him because he is one injury away from becoming the lead back and a very very fantasy, uh, very valuable fantasy asset. I apologize. I agree with that. Um, Yeah, so don't drop him, but you can't play him. Um, yeah. and, uh, and yeah, with Aaron Jones, he is, you know, maybe the Packers are finding their identity of getting the, uh, getting the running backs more involved in the passing game. So yeah. we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah. And with the pass catchers monitor Alan Lazard's shoulder injury, which he suffered in week seven. Um, yeah, he's been t- catching touchdowns, but it's a player that we haven't mm-hmm. been super excited about as far as being reliable. And Romeo Dobbs played 89% yeah. of snaps, but saw zero receptions on four targets. I mean, you love to see a rookie with Aaron Rodgers be pretty much an every-down uh, receiver, but that's a bad stat line for him. So, yeah, yeah, and you know, Carson, if you had listened to the podcast that you were a part of last <laughs> week, I told you, don't start, don't start <laughs> Romeo Dobbs, and you started him against me. Didn't work out. I, I okay. Do you really you think there's zero? Zero chance I should start him this week. I don't even think he's in my lineup, but I'm just saying that he is heavily involved in this offense. Aaron Rodgers is still his quarterback if he can just get into some sort of a groove. Do you really think there's not enough value there to warrant starting him? Which I'll say, I don't think I well, am currently, but... You know what? Let me let me 
hold that thought because I'm gonna go look at your team and I'm gonna tell you. Okay. Well, I tell you right now. We're not playing each other. Sure, he's on my bench. But I just mean like value wise. Do you really think that he can't reemerge because eighty nine percent of snaps for a rookie is great, and they gotta throw it to somebody, and I don't see it being Aaron Jones being the wide receiver one every week. That's nice and all, but when you look at his game log, he's been he's not been good. He's gotten you six points per game minus week seven over the past three. So, uh, sorry, I guess I'll just rephrase that. Over weeks five and six preceding week seven, obviously, yeah. he averaged six points a game. That's And 86% of the snaps, 96% of the snaps, he got you 6.1 points. I, what I was saying last week was he's not putting up good numbers. The Packers don't look good as a team. Yeah, I think that Dobbs belongs on benches until something changes. That's what I was saying. Right. So If he doesn't do anything, I won't mention it. But if he does something, I'll call back to it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> good call. I, that, I think that's smart. Uh, I feel like I'll skip over that Aaron Jones question. Well, but now I'm bringing it up. Aaron Jones, the only Packer. You can start with confidence. <laughs> Uh, with confidence is a strong phrase for him. Um, he's been he's been inconsistent uh, and basically reliant on touchdowns to have any kind of uh, RB one type status. Although he is, I think, RB ten or eleven currently. Um, so confidently, no. Uh, if you have him, you might be forced to start him. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I don't think you're benching him, but I see what you mean. He's been, he's had quite the variability between his stats across these games. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, with the Bills. Um, they were on bye in week seven. So keep that in mind. Nice long rest before this primetime game against the Packers. Josh Allen yeah. is MVP candidate. And Stefan Diggs is yeah. booming him. Keep on bringing that up. That I was very high on him. And I just, everyone mm-hmm. should have been. Uh, Gabe Davis, though, I'm, I'm still a skeptic of him. 14 receptions and four receiving touchdowns in his five games he's played this season. Does this make you mm-hmm. nervous about his consistency, or is it just too good of a passing offense to really worry about it? Can it be both? Um, <laughs> because I think that, yes, you're right. It is a high-scoring, high-flying offense. Um, but I also don't think that Gabe Davis was one of those players that really uh, profiled as a, you know, high number of receptions guy yeah. like he's not uh, he's not a Stefan Diggs they already have that guy yeah. so the role that he's filling in this offense is flex plus upside um and when he booms he booms big and when he doesn't he still gets you around you know 9 to 10 11 points per game so I think the upside is too great to avoid, and that's kind of where I stand on Gabe Davis. Yeah, that's fair. Just a receiving touchdown on every 3.5 catches is ridiculous. <laughs> well, when Josh Allen's throwing you the football, yeah, it's not that unrealistic. That's true. All right, Devin Singletary's double-digit fantasy games have come from matches against uh, in Miami, in Baltimore, and in Kansas City, all games which the Bills did not completely dominate, uh, losing one of those. Should you start Singletary against mm-hmm. the Packers? Basically, I've already done the analysis that Singletary has gotten good usage when they are uh, in a f- in, in, in kind closer of a, games. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, kind of saying that might not happen this one. So, are you going to just based on fade him? yeah, based on the eleven point spread, which might be too low? Um, <laughs> I don't think that Singletary is going to get a lot of looks. Uh, he may fall into the end zone once, but 
Um, outside of that random event occurring, yeah. I would say Singletary is probably not worth starting. Yeah, I mean, we'll look for a week where it looks like it will be a shootout between teams, and then maybe we'll have to say Singletary could do well in this one. But it's been weird uh, how correlated he has been. But I guess it does make sense because they have to try different things if they're offense, if they are in those shootouts. Um, yeah. All right, move on to... Wait, we already said it. Yes, Bills. Many times we've said it. Bills are going to win this one, in our opinion. All right, yeah. move on to Monday Night yeah. Football. Bengals at Browns divisional matchup. Seems like the Bengals have kind of found themselves again. Something that the Rams can't say. The other Super Bowl uh, team from last season. So Joe, Bo- mm-hmm. Joe Burrow, three passing touchdowns, <laughs> one rushing touchdown. I believe he had 350 passing yards at halftime and ended up with 481. He was playing. He was playing unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so he's woken up. Great for you who trade for him at his value that wasn't this high. Um, great job. Back-to-back games. Uh, yeah, back-to-back games with 100-plus receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns in each for Jamar Chase. So he's back. Um, Tyler Boyd, I'll say sell high, potentially. 29.5 fantasy points, eight catches, 155 receiving yards, a receiving touchdown. Um, sell high, right? I mean, you've had you've had to have Absolutely. Boyd. Yeah, of course. Of course, for a lot of his up and downs, um, so <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I'm over that, of course. Yeah, um, Tyler Boyd is obviously we saw it last week. He's he's viable to go off like this yeah. on occasion. But uh, if you started him last week, you probably just got lucky more so than yeah. made a smart decision. If that makes sense. yeah, because T Higgins. Um, uh, kind of in the background of these other performances, you know, probably had a top 20 finish. It was like 15 points. Like that's more reliable. He's going to be their second best receiving option. Um, And yeah, Mm -hmm. so take this opportunity if someone wants Boyd to sell high on them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And Hayden Hurst had eight targets. So kind of still that usage that you like to see that, you know, I don't even know what his roster percentage is, but still could be an enticing, I guess, bye week fill in potentially, but he is involved um so keep on looking his way if you're needing an option potentially because he's in a good offense and he could be continue to get even better looks as this offense gets back to um being high powered again and joe mixon had yeah, 20 touches right. sorry. sorry i just just want to put that out there uh hayden her 68 percent roster there you go. Yeah. in sleeper yeah um and as i said mixon getting used this offense looks like how they did last year and I'll just go ahead and pick them real quick. I've been doing that a little early a lot of times. But, all right, let's talk about the Browns. Nick Chubb got his rushing touchdown, so he had a good week. Yay. It's really all there is to say. I mean, yeah. that's what he needs. That's what he needs for sure. Um, mm-hmm. The Browns are listening to trade offers for Kareem Hunt, which could be really interesting for Hunt's value. Yes. Hunt has had 10 touches across the past two games combined. Not great. Hunt's fantasy value could... Yeah, kind of a weird trend for him. Yeah, because you were really high on him in rankings, and rightfully so. I mean, previous seasons, he's been really involved as a pass-catching option, and therefore PPRs had really good value, uh, flex value at least, especially for being an RB2 in an offense. Yeah, and I I ranked him as an RB2 in preseason. He's currently running back 24, so in a 12-team league, technically I'm right. Um, That is surprising. But... But I think that it was also kind of factoring in the idea that if he was traded, um, he becomes pretty much an instant RB1. Um, It depends on what team he goes to, to an extent. 
but uh, he's likely the best running back on most rosters in the NFL right now. And so, yeah, if uh, trade deadline is November 1st, as we mentioned, uh, we should have news. Maybe it'll be like, <laughs> can you imagine if it was announced during the Monday night game? That'd be hilarious. That would be um, funny. But uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's actually I don't know the fact that they do play on Monday night is kind of interesting to me. Um, if he were to get traded later in this week, it would be kind of surprising to me. I feel like actually just considering that, yeah, um, <laughs> not sure not sure what to make of that. But um, I'm hoping he does get traded. I think it's going to increase his value if he does, and uh, I just like the player, so I think that's a, a good opportunity for him if that happens. Fair enough. All right. Uh, David Njoku suffered a high ankle sprain in week seven that is set to sideline him for two to five weeks. Uh, Njoku Mm -hmm. was kind of leading this offense receiving-wise before this injury in this game. He is seven for seven uh, for 71 receiving yards before he was ruled out due to the injury. Um, So I'll ask, would the absence of Njoku make you more confident in in the consistency of Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones? Probably not more consistent. I I think that... I, I get where you're going with, like, the targets have to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, and they will disperse a little bit. But I think Harrison Bryant has an opportunity to kind of fill in, maybe at a reduced capacity yeah. for Njoku. Um, so I actually don't think it's like all of those targets get dispersed among the pass catchers. That's fair. Other than uh, outside of the tight end position. Um, but, you know, you kind of know what you're getting from Amari Cooper. Donovan Peoples-Jones is more of a toss-up play. Um, so... I'm I'm advocating for, you know, if you can if you can trade for Amari Cooper before Deshaun Watson returns, I think that's going to be a good decision. Yeah, because he um, should improve upon Jacoby Brissett's six passing touchdowns in seven games. Um, <laughs> right. And I just want to tell you this fun fact because this has gone probably under the radar for both of us because we don't have to start tight ends in our league as we always mention. But David Njoku yeah. in PPR scoring is the tight end four. Yeah. Can you believe that? You know, based on how other tight ends have performed, you know, the absence of uh, Dalton Schultz for, ever, for a, uh, yeah. a few games this yeah. season and Darren Waller being missing and George Kittle being inconsistent. Like, all those guys that we talked about being fringe elite yeah. um, have kind of been banged up, and so that opens the door for some of these guys to just sneak their way in. Gerald Everett, Tyler Higbee, yeah. David Njoku, they're they're figuring it out. Taysom Hill is tight end six. How, how Let that sink in. Yeah. Let it, let it in. So yeah, <laughs> let it all in. Yep. So uh, as we've already that, said, that wraps it up. Both picking um, the Bengals, and yeah, that wraps we it up. We are picking the Bengals in this one. Go Joe, go. So uh, moving on <laughs> to this wrap up here. Uh, thank you all so much for watching and or listening, um, and we will see you again next week. Peace out, everybody.